Pakistan family. We serve an amazing God. And I believe go ahead, give it to give the youth another round of applause. I, I, I thank them so much for that reminder that we serve an amazing God. And I'm grateful that that God whom we serve showed up for me this week. Those of you who were here last night, you heard my testimony, and I, I'll just share a little bit with you today. It is, it is week of prayer, brethren, and I'm excited because, because I've seen and experienced the power of prayer in my life this week. The Bible says that we serve a God who is a present help in trouble. We serve a God who is able to deliver us and keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his presence. And this week, uh, this week was a rough week for me. Oh, it was a rough week and you know, it's bad enough when I have tax season going on. Because I'm working longer hours, uh, I'm tired, uh, uh, a lot of things are going on. But it's worse when in the midst of tax season, I have a bad day. And it's a really bad thing when I'm paying somebody to give me good customer service, and they turn around and they get rude with me. When that kind of stuff happens, that stubborn rebellious African maroon Jamaican blood boils in me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And I remember sitting at my desk this week talking to the third person at FedEx. And they were audacious enough to hang up the phone on me. And oh my blood boy. And I watched a younger co-worker sitting across the desk looking at the expressions on my face and uh, looking as though he were about to flee because he didn't like what he seen. But God is good. God is good. He, God is the present help in trouble. And you know, folks, we often brag how God delivers us from danger. We often talk about how God shows up and provides when we, we didn't know where the next dollar was coming from. We often talk about how God turns, shows up and heals us. But I believe we need to testify some more how God delivers us from temptation. And as I sat there thinking about all the things I was going to say when I make a call back to FedEx, the Lord said to me, pray. And so I bowed my head and I prayed. And brethren, I'm telling you, I prayed. And my co-worker left me and I prayed. I prayed because I didn't want to behave in a way that would displease my God and show a bad side of me. So I prayed. And, and when I was through praying, I couldn't help myself. I broke out and singing. Let me tell you, brethren, a presence came into my office. And it wasn't a human presence. It wasn't an evil presence either. The presence of God came in my office. And I felt peace. I felt peace. And I can tell you, brothers, that that was just one day. Every day this week at work, I felt like 
the devil unleashed fury at me. But our God shows up in the midst of trouble. And he delivers his children. And so today I want to say thank God and I thank you so much for that reminder. We serve an amazing God. An amazing God. Thank you. Thank you. It is good to see you. How are you today, brethren? Oh, no, 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 no. How are you today? I don't know about you, but it's good to be in the, in the presence of God. It's good to be in the house of God. And I want to thank our pastor for allowing me to use his pulpit. And uh, <laughs> I usually tell pastors who ask me to preach and stick around that they're brave. Because what I say may cause them to either rejoice or cringe. And after today, he is still the pastor. Well, I can't go anywhere because I'm a member here. But I'm grateful to him for sharing the pulpit with me. And I'm thankful to God in heaven for giving me this opportunity to share the word with his brethren, with his children today, with my brethren today. I thank him so much for it. It is good to see so many of you that I have not seen in a long time and I can't start calling names because I'm going to get in trouble, but I want to give a quick shout out to Brother Omar. It is good to see you, Brother Omar. I, I pass him on the streets sometimes and he doesn't see me because I'm flying. But it is good to see you in the house of God today. Sister Anik, it is good to see you on the children. Sister Tara. I know you're always here. I know you're always here. But folks, one of these days, she's going to share her testimony with you of God's goodness. God, has, God, God showed up in her life and God has blessed her. God stood by her side and God helped her. And she's here today to, to worship God. Liz, it's always good to see you. It's always good to see you. Let's get to the word of God. Let's get to the word of God. Let us pray together. Father, Father in heaven, I, I, I ask that you will be here at this moment. I pray that you, for the next few moments, Lord, for the next few moments, I just pray that your presence will move through this church in a powerful way. You know that I cannot speak unless you speak through me, Father. So I pray that you will touch me even now. As a matter of fact, do, do something better. I pray that you will remove me and take your rightful position before your children. Let them hear you, Father, because if they hear from you, they will hear words of love and life and encouragement, words that will lift them up, Father, words that will inspire them. So speak to the hearts of your children today. And at the end, may we be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. I ask you to pray for my son, Daniel. Danny Joe. Pray for both of them, but I'm asking you to pray special for this one because I believe, brethren, that God has a special work for him to do. And Daniel... Since he could move has been stretching or, or has been testing the boundaries to see just how far he can go. And I can, I, you've heard me said before, many of you have heard me said before, the Bible came alive for me when he was born. There were things that I, 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 I thought I understood from the word of God. But when my son Daniel came into my life, the Bible became alive for me. For I understood what it is to love a son. 
His pain is my pain. So I can imagine how my pain affects my father. Pray for him. Pray for his brother. And pray for all the children in this church. <clears throat> Deuteronomy is known as Moses' last letter to the Hebrews. When you read and study the book of Deuteronomy, you will find three different discourses that Moses gave to the children of Israel as they were getting ready to cross into the promised land. Scholars said that the book of Deuteronomy was written just two months before the Hebrews, before Israel, crossed the Jordan into the promised land. And in that final message to the Hebrews, Moses sets forth the terms upon which the Hebrews would be blessed as a nation and the conditions on which they would be established as a people. Now you know me. When I come to church and preach, I like to use the word God. And I like to see us use the word God. So if you would just go with me, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 11. What book and chapter did I say? Deuteronomy chapter 11. And we will take a quick look at verses 27 and 28. The Bible said, well, I'll pick up at verse 26. It says, behold, are you there with me? Are you there? Write these passages down. Children, I think you have your sermon notes. Do you have your sermon, sermon notes, children? Wait now, let me see them. Let me see those sermon notes. All right. You should not be on the iPad now. You should not be on a phone right now. You should have a pencil or a pen and a paper in your hand taking your notes. I heard from good sources that there is a prize for the child with the best notes. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 says, Behold... I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. I set before you what, everybody? I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Verse 27 says, A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you this day. Verse 28, And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord, your God. But turn aside out the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. This was the condition upon which Israel, of all the biblical Israel, would be established as a nation and would be blessed as a people. It was upon their obedience to the commandments of God. And when you read the rest of the book, it tells you that Moses spelled out for them all the curses. When you read chapters, chapters 27 and chapter 20, uh, chapter 27 and chapter 28, they spell out the curses and the blessings that would follow the people of God depending on how they respond to the commandments of God. As a matter of fact, Moses said to them, when you get over in Canaan, there will be two mountains. There's Mount Garrison and there's Mount Ebal. Six of the tribes were commanded to stand on one mount and six on the other mount. And the priests were, were required to read these commandments to the people, the commandments of God to the people. And as they were read, once 
When we study the history of the people that were so blessed to be given the oracles of God, a people that were so blessed to have heard the voice of God directly speaking to them, it is unfortunate that they turned away from following after God. We are told that after Joshua, Israel went searching after other gods. And after a series of judges, Israel had gotten to the point where their rebellion, where their, their idolatry led them to civil war. And in the process of time, they asked for a king and God had promised that he would be their king. But they wanted to be like the surrounding nations, so they asked for a king. And God raised up King Saul. God selected King Saul to be their king. For a time, King Saul was a good king. He followed the ways of God, but as so often happened, pride, success gets to the head of some people. Pride develops in their heart, and they turn away from God. And King Saul followed his own way, turned to turn to disobedience and to witchcraft. And in the process of time, we're told that the Spirit of God was withdrawn from King Saul. I suggest to you, my brothers and sisters, that we need to be careful that we don't turn away from the source of our power, the source of our success, God. In his divine providence, God raised up good old David. And David did what he could to bring Israel back to worshiping the true God. And as David passed on, his son Solomon grew up or stood up and he said, And the Bible tells us that Solomon built a temple for the Lord, he built a house of worship. For God. And when you have some time, I encourage you to go home and read the book of Chronicles. Read about the temple that Solomon built for God. Because the temple that Solomon built has significance for the people of God today. Amen. Now watch this. I don't have time to go through it all. But take a look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Chapter 6 if you please. It tells us that Solomon, upon the completion of the temple, he assembled all Israel and they prayed and they dedicated the temple of God. But that was no ordinary dedication. It wasn't so long ago that we had our own dedication of this building. It was only five, six years ago. That dedication of that temple was no ordinary one. For we're told that when, when Solomon prayed, that the presence of God filled the temple. So much so that the priests could not go in. Why is that significant for us, my brothers and sisters? Here it is. Here it is. According to the servant of God, the church of God, to the humble, believing soul, is the gateway to the kingdom of heaven. When you come to the house of God, you are coming to the gateway to the 
times to our children, including mine. Be careful how you run in the church of God. You've heard me say so many times, parents, that when we come to church, we need to take away the eye devices from our children, the electronic devices. We need to encourage them to worship God. You recall the story as Jacob was, was fleeing from his, from his brother and running to his uncle Laban. We're told that Jacob stopped at night and he, he, he put stones for a pillow and he slept. And as he slept, he had this dream of a ladder extending from heaven to earth and angels moving back and forth and God standing at the top of the ladder. And Jacob, Jacob when he got up, he said, this is the house of God. I suggest to you today that if our eyes could be open, we would see angels of God moving through the house of God. We sung that beautiful song this morning, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. My brothers and sisters, when you read the book of Isaiah, the angels were singing the song, and the Bible said that with two wings, they cover their lower body. With two wings, they cover their upper body. And with two wings, they were flying. They were saying, holy, holy, holy in reverence to Almighty God. And I suggest that God's people need to take a more reverential approach to him. I recall some time ago, and this is not a part of my sermon, but my brothers and sisters, I have learned to preach as God leads me. I recall some time ago, I think one of our technicians upstairs sent out a photo of some of our children who were supposedly worshiping in church. They were sitting down on iPads, iPhones, and other smart devices, playing games, watching videos while the service was going on. And it's unfortunate that sometimes adults are involved in the same process. My brothers and sisters, when we come to the house of God, we need to put certain things aside and give God what is due to him. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, after Solomon was, was through with the construction of the, of the temple, after he had prayed his prayer of dedication, after God had come down and had filled the temple with his presence, we're told that God appeared to Solomon in verse 12. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12. It says, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer, and I have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. The place that God was referring to my brothers and sisters was the church. I suggest to you today that the church today, this building today, is still the house of God where God's people come to offer their sacrifice. Yes, we are not required to shed the blood of animals, but we are required to bring sacrifice and praise to God. So God said to him, Solomon, I have, I have accepted this place. I have chosen this place to myself for a house of worship. 
Watch, watch the words carefully now. Watch the words. In verse 13, he said, Solomon, if I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. And I suggest to you, my brothers and sisters, you may not know this, but in the northeast where we live, there's a drought right now. And it's been going on for a while. You see, we go to the tap and we turn, we go to the pipe and we turn it on and we get water. We go to the store and there's water on the shelf. But when you go out in the farming community where I work, you look at ponds that are going down. Ponds and lakes that are at record low because there's a drought in the Northeast. I also suggest to you that there's a spiritual drought in the land. And you don't have to look far to see it either. God said, Solomon, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Now, you've got to pay close attention to verse 14. God, in verse 14, sets forth terms and conditions upon which he would bless ancient Israel and upon which he will bless us today. He said, Solomon, if things are going wrong and people want relief from it, he says, if my people, which are, listen, my brothers and sisters, I do not know your circumstances in life. I don't know your background. I don't know your history. But I know that you belong to God. Let no man tell you otherwise. Let no one judge you because of your skin color. Let no one judge you because of your upbringing. You belong to God and we serve a God who is not afraid or ashamed to associate and identify with his children. If my people who are called by my name, the songwriter says there's a new name written down in glory. The story is told about a man. He lived among farmers and he was a thief. And he would always steal their sheep. And one day the farmers got sick and tired of it and they caught him. And they used a branded iron and they branded ST in his forehead. So that wherever he went, he was known as Sheep Thief. And it was painful and embarrassing for him. But one day someone introduced him to Jesus Christ. And he read in the word that when a man gives his life to God, he becomes a new creature. He read in the word that he now was a saint in Jesus. And so he would walk around and display ST proudly. And one day someone was bold enough to say to him, Brother, what does ST stand for? And he said, Saint. There's a new name written down in glory, and it is mine. It is all mine, says the songwriter. I don't know what name you are called, my brothers and sisters, 
But I love the name that God calls me. He says, I am one of his own. They call me a lot of names that work. They call me stubborn, and I am. They call me impatient, and I can be. They call me Captain Pastor. <laughs> they call me a lot of names. The one I love the most is the name Kirk, because it's, it's a name my mother gave me. And I know the meaning behind that name. You see, Kirk has a connection with church. In Scotland, they call your church Kirk. I love the name Christopher because Christopher means bearing the marks of Christ in the body. But above all, my brothers and sisters, I love the name that God has in store for me because one day, one day he's going to give me a new name. He's going to give all of us a new name. So God says, listen, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. You see, my brothers, when you read, when you read verse 14, there are two broad terms and conditions that God sets forth for his people today. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, he says, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will, I, I will, I will bless their land. He says, I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. I suggest to you today, my brothers and sisters, that God wants us to pray. God wants us to pray. Go with me to the book of Luke. I see you still have your Bibles open. Take a walk with me to the book of Luke chapter 9. Luke, I'm sorry, that should be Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, and we'll start with verse number 9. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus said in verse 9, he says, listen, and I say unto you. Now, Jesus here is talking about our relationship with God. And by the way, when you look at the crowd that Jesus was talking to, there was a brother in there by the name of Judas. And Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. The disciples were all there. There was a brother there by the name of Peter who had a mouth problem. There was a brother there by the name of Thomas. If you told Thomas that he was born from this particular person, he probably would not believe it. And then there were two gangbangers in there. So you imagine if, if, if in Jesus' circle, there were these five then think about the multitude. And I'm saying that to say to you today that these words were spoken to imperfect people. People who had issues. Do we have anybody with some issues today? Then this is the word of God to you. God, Jesus said, listen, I say unto you, verse 9, ask and it shall be what? Ask and it shall be given unto you. God is waiting for us to come with a request. God is waiting to hear from imperfect people. He said, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek 
and you shall find, knock, and it shall be open unto you. Somewhere I read that God has a bountiful storehouse from which to bless his people. God wants us to knock, my brothers and sisters, at heaven's gates. When we come to church, he wants us to pray. I told you this week that as I faced my temptations, and man, folks, this week has gone down in history for me. As I faced my temptations every day this week, I bowed at my desk, I prayed, I said, God, this is not from you. I know it's not from you. You've got to help me, God. And God came through for me. I believe that in these last days, as we get closer to the coming of Jesus, Satan is going to intensify his attack on the people of God. I believe you may be attacked in ways that you were not expecting or even accustomed to. But we serve a God who delivers. So it says, ask. In verse 10 he says, listen, this is the promise. He says, for everyone that asks, they will receive. And he that seeks will find, and to him that knock shall be opened. Now the next verse, folks, is the one that I thought I understood, but I got a clearer understanding when my son was born. For it talks about a father. A son going to a father and asking for fish. And for, for bread, rather. And Christ asked the question, will the father give him a stone? If you think about it, you have children. I grew up in a place where, folks, my mom would go without food to ensure that our 13 children were fed. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. My mom would go without shoes to ensure that her children had shoes on their feet. Amen. I watched my mom took her clothes and cut it up in smaller pieces and sew it together so we could have clothes to wear and she walk around in one dress. Now you take that and you multiply it by infinity and you get God. I told him a story of when my son, I would go home, I would sleep and I would go to sleep late at night. 12, 1 o'clock and by the time my head hits the pillow and I fall asleep, my son, my Daniel would wake up. And he would cry and I was so wired to that boy. As soon as he started crying, I would get up and stagger to his room and I, I would take him up and I, I would go to the kitchen. I would get the milk from the freezer. I would warm that milk. I would feed that boy when my eyes were closing down. I would, I would burp him. I would change his diaper and I would rock him back to sleep and put him in bed. And then it hit me. If I could do that for my son, what will God do for me? What will God do for you? My brothers and sisters, God loves you. So, God wants us to pray to him. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8. Write this down if you cannot get there in time. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8. The Lord said, I know thy works. 
He says, Behold, I have set before you an open door, and no man can shut it. I want you to know today, brothers and sisters, no one can hinder your prayers from getting to the throne of God. I know there's some places where they teach you that they will excommunicate you. They will teach you that you gotta go to a booth and you gotta confess to a man and if you don't do that, you cannot have access to God. When I read the word of God, it tells me that there's an open door that leads to the throne of God and no man can shut that door. As a matter of fact, I love the way Paul puts it. In Hebrews chapter 4, what book did I say? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. I love the way Paul puts it. Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 14. says, listen, seeing then that we have a great high priest. Hallelujah. We have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Paul says, let us hold fast our profession. Listen to verse 15. Those of you who may be struggling with temptation, you know, you know, I believe, brethren, I believe we need to testify some more about how God delivers us from temptation. Temptation is not sin. Temptation is not sin. Je Jesus, the sinless Son of God, came to earth and was tempted. Temptation is not sin. But I get it. There are times we feel like if we tell people that we were tempted to do something, people will look at us differently. <laughs> Be tempted to... <clears throat> Let me go back. Oh, <laughs> Be tempted, Sister Rochelle, where are you? Be tempted to drink some milk and dragon stout. Uh, be tempted to drop a little whites in my sorrel. Uh, be, be tempted to take a draw of the wisdom weed. <laughs> be tempted to go to Red Lobster, if you please. <laughs> be tempted to look in the garden at other flowers. Are you with me? It is no sin. It is only a sin if you give in to it. So when I look in the garden and I see other flowers, I'm only smelling one roses. I mean one rose, I'm sorry. One rose. And we need to tell people, we need to testify that I was tempted to look like David. I was tempted to lust, but God shows up and he delivers me. We need to testify I was tempted to go back to the bottle and pick up the liquor, but God delivered me. I was tempted to give them the bad piece of my mind. And tell them some 
God delivered me. God placed a watch over my lips. And he would not allow me to, to dishonor him. We need to testify, brethren, when God delivers us. We have, you know, I know how we are. Sorry, folks, the name in my notes is just on my heart. I got to tell you. I know how we are. As Christians, we, we act very pious. We act like we can't even go to the toilet. I know how we are. And there's a group of young children and youth who are facing some stuff in life. And they don't know how to deal with it. Because they're looking at us pious adults who've never had a problem. They need to hear that we were struggling with stuff. And God delivers us. They need to know that our God is a present help in trouble for them too. They need to know that God can keep them from falling. When you read the Bible, it talks about Joseph, folks. Joseph faced a naked woman, and he didn't do it once. The Bible said daily she was after him. We need to tell them temptation is not a sin. Everybody goes through it, but God will deliver you. We need to let them know. Let them know, my brothers and sisters. Paul says, look at verse 15. Here's why we got to let them know. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. This week when I felt like calling FedEx and cursing somebody, Jesus understands. As I drove along this week and someone got on my last nerve and you know I drive a bigger vehicle, Jesus understands. There's some people in my office that gets on my nerves sometimes. Jesus, understand? I have a priest who knows how I feel. He is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Look at, look at the rest of the verse, verse 15. He was in all points tempted just like I am, yet without sin. Therefore, look at verse 16. We talk about the open door, my brothers and sisters, that leads to the throne of God. The open door that God says, I set before you and no man can shut. The open door that gives access to the throne of God, to the mercy seat. Look at verse 15, 16. Paul says, let us therefore come boldly. Let us come with confidence. Let us come with assurance to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us get on our knees and pray to God. So term and condition number one is to seek God in humility. I wish I had time to preach to you today, brethren. But I'm looking at the clock. Study the prayer of Daniel. When Daniel was confronted with the sins of his people, it was not Daniel's sin that brought him to Babylon. It was the sin of his fathers. 
when we should come to him in humility. When David was confronted with his wrongdoing, David, the king of Israel, could have said, get that prophet out of here, take him to the block and cut off his head. Instead, David said, I have sinned against God. There are times, my brothers and sisters, that we will be confronted with things about ourselves that we don't like. Let us humble ourselves and go to God in prayer and ask God to do the work that needs to be done in our lives. I dare say to you that a change has come to this church. Are you, are you listening to me? A change has come to this church. And if it is one thing I know about change, folks, is that it can be painful and uncomfortable at times. But those who wish to grow, those who wish to move forward, those who wish to, 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 to excel in life, must endure the discomfort and the pain and the hardship that comes with change. Because change is good. And things may happen that you don't like. You may see things being done in a different way. Change has come to the house of God. Now I'm not going to be like the person that we listened to at the training last week and say to you that this church was here before you were born and after you're dead, this church will still be here so this church can do without you. I will not go there. I will not go there. Pastor the brother cusses out. He cussed us out really good. He cursed us out. Said to us, the church don't need you. Anyhow. Term and condition number two. Recorded in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. Is to see God's face and put away our evil deeds. Putting away preconceived ideas and selfish desires and accepting the will of God, my brothers and sisters, is involved in seeking God's face. Let me run on to say, to share with you Isaiah chapter 55. Go with me, Isaiah chapter 55. God speaking to his, to his chosen people then and to us today. Starting on verse 6, he says, listen, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. I suggest to you that a day is coming when people will be running after God, but will not find him. As a matter of fact, in the book of Proverbs, uh, Solomon says, or God said to Solomon, because I have called and you would not listen. Because I gave counsel and you pushed it aside, when your calamity come upon you, I will turn a deaf ear. Don't play with the Lord, folks. He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. He's a good God to his children, but don't take it for granted. So the prophet says, Seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the righteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. 
and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, your ways. Oh, my brothers and sisters, I'm calling upon you today as the people to seek after God. Are you listening to me? We are standing on the brink of our promised land. And God, I believe, is anxiously waiting to part the Jordan. And in this case, it's not the Jordan. He's anxiously waiting to roll the heavens back like a scroll. He's anxiously waiting to come for his own. We're standing on the brink of the promised land. It is time, my brothers and sisters, to embrace the terms and the conditions that God has set before us Amen. so he can take us over. Amen. In Jeremiah chapter 29, starting somewhere around verse 11, you can write it down and read it for yourself. Starting on verse 11, going through 14. God makes a promise. He said, you shall seek me. He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace, Sister Barbara. To give you hope and the future. He said, I know the thoughts I'm thinking towards your church. He says, you shall seek me. You shall find me. When you shall search for me with all your heart. I got to close here. I got to close. I got to close. Allow me. Allow me to look at one of my favorite Bible passages with you today. Revelation chapter 9. I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 7. John, John was John was given a bird's eye view. John was given a bird's eye view to the kingdom of heaven. Or into the future. John, as he was looking, he saw 144,000 people. He saw them dressed in white robes and they were following the Lamb wherever the Lamb was going. And folks, there's all kinds of debate as to who will be a part of that 144,000. I don't know if I'll make it in there. It's only 144,000. It's not hard to get to that number when you start counting people. John said they were following the Lamb wherever he goes and I've often asked the question, God, will I be in that number? I would love to be in that number, but I don't know, God, if I will ever make it to that number. And if you stop there in your reading, you're going to get discouraged. But when you read further, Roshan, when you read further, John said, he saw a vast multitude. A multitude that nobody could number. There were more than the sands of the sea. There were more than the stars in the sky. And this vast multitude was just praising God. And somebody said to Jamie, who are these? Who are these people, John? John was so confounded. He said, I don't know. I don't know who these people, they don't look like me. Yes, they look like human beings, but they don't look like people who are suffering under the weight of sin. John said, sir, I don't know. The elder said to him, John, these are they who have come through great tribulation. Listen to me, brethren. These are they whose parents laid their hands on their children and prayed for them. Are you listening to me? These are they who were faced with temptation.
nations, but God delivered them. Are you with me? These are they who thought they were not going to make it. These are they sometimes who are afraid to talk about their experiences because they're afraid of being judged by others. But they've made it. And they're praising God. They're giving glory. They're giving honor. They're giving praise to God throughout eternity. My brothers and sisters, when I saw that, I said, God, I may not make that 144,000, but I think I'm going to get in this congregation right here. I think I want to get in this congregation because they've gone through great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white and spotless in the blood of the Lamb. Their characters have been changed. They've been transformed. I want to be in that number, God. I want to be in that number. Is there anybody here today? Is there somebody here today who said, God, I want to be in that number too. I want to be in that number too, God. If you're here today and that's your desire, just raise your hand. God, seize those hands. Oh, God, seize those hands. God, Pastor, Pastor, please come, Pastor. I'm going to ask you to pray for this congregation today. God, seize those hands. God, seize those hands. I want you to stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet with me. i got to make a second appeal here. i got to make a second appeal here. God bless you. God, God, seize your hands. God, seize your hands, my brothers and sisters. i got to make a second appeal here. If you're here today and you have not yet given yourself to the Lord, you're not a member of this church, man. You're not giving yourself to the Lord. You want to say, God, I want to give my life to you. I want to give my life to you. Just raise your hand. Your head's bowed. Your head's bowed. Your head's bowed. Church, pray. Please pray now. Please pray. This is between you and God right now. I remember in 1991, 1990, I was praying. I was a troubled teenager. I was searching for something. I don't know what I was looking for. I just knew I was searching. I was reaching for drugs with one hand. I was reaching for a gun with another hand. I was just searching. I was just searching. I was just searching. And one night the Lord led me through his word and I landed on Psalm 51 and I read David's prayer where he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And I realized that that was what I was searching for. I fell on my knees and I cried out to God and I said, God, give me that new heart. And God turned my life around, my brothers and sisters. There were people in that community in Jamaica that I grew up who would tell my parents, your son is going to become a gunman, he's going to become a robber, he's going to kill people and they're going to kill him. That was their desire for me. But God turned my life around as a teenager. And these same people, they started saying to my parents, what happened to your son? Look how he is turned around. And folks, be careful what you said about our people's kids. Because some of their own died as thieves and criminals. And I am still standing today and I'm not boasting. And I remember, I remember after I read that passage, after I committed myself to the Lord, I said, God, I'm going to go to church. And through a series of studies and search, I found that I should go to the Adventist church. I remember I got up January 5th, 1991, first Sabbath of the year. I went to church with my mom. My parents were separated since I was a baby. I went to church with my mom and I got back home. 
My daddy said to me, are you a Seventh-day Adventist now, sir? Whenever my daddy, you talks to me and, and, and ends it with, sir, I know I'm in trouble. I said, daddy, I am thinking about it. He said to me, you're not going to stay in this house. I want no Seventh-day Adventist in this house. I paused for about 10 seconds and, I, and God gave me the, in, oh, the yeah. spiritual, intestinal spunk oh, yeah. that I needed. I said to him, Daddy, I know you love me, but you cannot talk to my God for me. As much as you love me, Daddy, when it comes to the judgment, it's going to be between me and God. Oh, yeah. I have made up my mind and I am not turning back. My daddy said to me, you cannot stay in this house. You got to leave. Two weeks later, folks, I walked out of my father's house. Before he left, one day he said to me, before I left, one day he said to me, I'm going to throw you and your Bible and books out, and you're going to go sleep under the tree. I have slept on the trees many times, brethren, but only because I wanted to. Are you listening to me? Only because there was a camp with the pathfinders. For God, when I walked out of that house that day, Oh, yeah. He took me like Israel of old and he bore me on eagle's wings to where I am today. Yeah. I have not gone without food. I have not gone without shelter. I have never gone without anything because my God has always provided for me. Are you listening to me? Amen. I know there are challenges. You will encounter challenges when you decide to follow God. But listen to me. The God whom I serve will never leave you alone. He will never forsake you. I walked away from my father and everywhere I go I found fathers. Are you listening to me? My mother could not travel with me everywhere I went. God had mothers waiting for me. I walked away from my family. God provided a family for me. Are you listening to me my brothers and sisters? So if you're here today, and you are worried about your future, God will take care of you. Your heads above, is there somebody here? You have not yet given yourself to God. He wants to say, God, I want to give you a chance. Just raise your hand. Just raise that hand for Jesus. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Your heads above. Your eyes are closed. We're going to pray. Pastor, where are you? Please pray, Pastor. Heavenly Father, this morning, we are so grateful for what we have heard from the man of God. We thank you, O oh God, for your transforming power that you have made available in our lives. We are here this morning testifying as a, as a witness of what you can do to a man or woman that surrenders their lives to you. We thank you for what we have heard today. There's somebody today that should have made a decision that did not. We're praying, O oh God, that you would give them another chance, another opportunity to surrender their lives to you. Thank you, O oh God. We place our lives in your hands. You've heard the scene, the hands that have been raised. We place our lives in your hands, O oh God, that when you shall come, that we will be ready to meet you in peace. Do the work that you have begun in our lives. We will give you praise, honor, and glory. Thank you again for what we have heard. Thank you for the man of God today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. amen.